This is Real Estate Rookie episode 302. There's a few different types of of lenders here. I love small local credit unions because they tend to have a little bit more flexibility than your, your kind of larger national banks. And the credit union that I used, they allowed me to fund 100% of both the purchase price and the rehab, I think that it's it's very much doable to find that person. Uh, you just gotta kinda spend the time to build those relationships and identify the right the right folks. My name is Ashley Kerr and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And we're back today with another uh, Rookie Reply episode. We're gonna answer some questions from the Rookie audience. And we've got four really cool questions today. Uh, first, we talk about private money lending, and we actually talk about lending in general, but then kind of how private money lending plays a role in that and how you can fund 100% of your deals using other people's capital. Uh, we talk a little bit about estimating rehab costs, which is one of the hardest things for a new real estate investor to do, and we give you some pretty simple tools and tactics for uh, for exploring how to estimate those costs. Then we will go through red flags when hiring a property manager. So Daniel asked a couple questions of things that incurred while he was looking into hiring a property manager. And we go through if these are red flags or green flags and if you should continue dating this property manager. Then the last thing we do is going over your lease agreements and stating what you should and shouldn't include as the landlord that is your responsibility to fix or repair during the the length of the lease. So uh, one thing that came up in the question as to like how little or small of things are you going to fix for your tenant in their rental property? Uh, so if you are, a, you know, thinking of doing long-term rentals or you currently are right now, maybe you've had this situation where something comes up and you're undecided is, this actually my responsibility or is this the tenant's responsibility? So we kind of discuss your options there and one way to troubleshoot that. Now, I, I want to give a shout out uh, because today's episode, uh, I'm going to read a review. It's a little different of a review today. Usually, I'm, I'm sitting here and I get to read all these five-star glowing reviews of, uh, of who we are and why people love us so much. But today, for the first time in a very long time, we got less than five stars in a review. Someone left us a two-star review. So instead of hiding from this and digging our head in the sand... We're, we're going to read it. Okay. First of all, let me just clarify. This review is not about Tony. And that's why he is okay with reading this review because he literally has nothing to do with it. <laughs> that's true. Because this person, this person does say I'm only one episode in. So I didn't, I didn't come on until episode like 38 or 39. So uh, I had nothing to do with this, <laughs> but they say I'm only one episode in. And all I can hear them say is the word like over and over. I stopped counting at 45 likes. I can't focus when that's all I hear. Keep up the great work otherwise. But the the last part, keep up the great work otherwise, I feel like there's there's something to build on there. So for for all of our rookies that are listening, um, help us out. We got a rebound from this two-star review. If you can, leave us an honest rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. Five stars help. <laughs> two stars hurt a little bit. So uh, maybe if you have a two-star, keep it to yourself. But if you got a five-star, you can share it with the world. And uh, our producer even asked, is that review about you, Ashley, or <laughs> your old co-host or the cast? And honestly, 
honestly, it probably was me. It still is me, probably. <laughs> now I'm going to be super conscious. I'm going to have to get a sticky note and like stick it on my computer and put like and X it out so I make sure I'm not saying it a lot. You know, I feel like I feel like I haven't really, I feel like I've never picked up on on filler words like that. Like I don't, I don't think I've heard you say like over and over and over again. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it was just like an episode of one thing. I have some kind of software implemented where it cuts it out. It just cuts it out. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there is software like that now that cuts out filler words. So yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, just some, some boring banter with it quickly. Ash, do you, do you watch uh, Ted Lasso? I started watching it when it first came out, but I never got super into it. Oh man. So Sarah and I always have like at least one TV show that we watch. And right now it's Ted Lasso and we've watched like, you know, the, the third season just ended and we've watched all three seasons, but this was like the end of the series. So it was like the series finale. And, um, I just, I just really enjoyed that show. Like it, you know, it was supposed to be kind of like a, like a comedy kind of slapstick type type thing. But like, as the seasons progressed, it was like, they, they explored some pretty deep topics in that show. So anyway, if you guys haven't watched Ted Lasso, highly encourage everyone to watch it. And you can now go back to Apple TV and watch like all three seasons, uh, binge watch them all. So. And you know who else loves that show? Who? It's Tyler Madden. Does he? I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So our good friend Tyler, who uh, Tony and I are actually flying out tonight to see <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that Tony RSVB to what? Yesterday, did you last night? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we are headed to Denver tonight. Uh, We, you know, did a a charity auction at the Bigger Pockets conference last year, where someone could win a day with us, and that day is tomorrow. So we are meeting up in Denver. We are also doing two podcast episodes live with guests. So that will be super exciting. We always love doing the in-person. It actually was the, it aired two episodes before this, 300 and 301. So you guys can uh, check out those two episodes and you'll be able to see us all in person. We're uh, renting out a cool little studio. So if you guys want to watch on YouTube and all the fun instead of just listening to it. You can check out the Real Estate Rookie YouTube. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the BiggerPockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. 
That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers... Proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with RentReady. Now, RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six-month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor for six months of rent ready for only $1. Today's first question is from Preston Garcia Does anyone know how to get a private lender to cover all 100% of purchase price and rehab? It seems like all of them only cover 75% of the purchase and 100% of the rehab. I don't have enough cash to cover the other 25%. I planned on refinancing afterwards to pay them back. So Tony, you've talked about this a couple times on the podcast as this is how you actually purchased your first couple long-term rentals and can maybe talk about that experience and then now how to get the same thing. Yeah. So, so Preston, first, just for all of our listeners, there, there's a few different types of, of lenders here. So you have, uh, private money lenders, which are typically just individuals who have capital that maybe is in their savings account or maybe is in some kind of like a SDRIA or, or some kind of 401k where they're taking loans out. So typically you're, quote unquote, private money lenders are individuals who, who have access to capital. After your private money lenders, there are hard money lenders who are like legitimate businesses where their whole, uh, you know, way of operating and making profits as a business is lending money to real estate investors for short term debt situations. Um, and then you have more like institutional type uh, lenders like credit unions and banks and things of that nature. So you're going to get a different level of, I think, flexibility. Uh, when it comes to down payment percentages with with each type of lender. Now, uh, I, I've used pretty much all of those, I think, in at least one deal or another. Uh, my first couple of long-term rentals were done through credit unions. And I love small local credit unions because they tend to have a little bit more flexibility than your, your kind of larger national banks. And the credit union that I used, um, they allowed me to fund 100% of both the purchase price and the rehab, um, as long as I kind of met certain criteria that, that they wanted me to meet in terms of 
what am I buying it at and what will it appraise for after my rehab is done? We've also used private money on a ton of deals. Uh, so pretty much every flip that I've done, I've I've used private money on those deals and our private money lenders typically fund 100% of the purchase and the rehab. I actually literally just sent a wire today repaying one of my private money lenders. So Preston, I, I think that it's, it's very much doable to find that person. Uh, you just got to kind of spend the time to build those relationships and identify the right, the right folks. Yeah. So do you want to... Um I guess the distinction was with the first properties you went through the bank and then now you're using private money because it is a lot harder to find a bank that is going to give you that type of loan um, that you are able to get on those first properties. So that is where going to private money lenders makes a lot of sense right now in today's market. There may still be some credit union or other bank out there that does have that option available, but I haven't found it yet as of right now. Tony, have you? <laughs> not not recently. You know, honestly, I haven't really looked as much. Um, but I feel like we had a guest on recently where he said he found like some credit union in, in Utah. Um, do you remember that? That was one of one of the guests we just recently interviewed, and, and he said he got like a really, really sick deal from one of those those credit unions out there. But I I would agree with you, Ashley, that most banks I think are have kind of tightened things up a little bit. Um, especially like after COVID, you just saw a lot of that stuff that they were doing before COVID kind of go away. But I, I think the private money um opportunities are probably bigger now than they were a few years ago because for the folks that that just had, you know, say they had six figures, maybe just sitting in a savings account. Think about how much money those people have lost to inflation if they just left that money in the bank for the last couple of years. So there's a really strong incentive for folks that are sitting on cash to try and put that money to work. And if you can give them a you know a double digit return backed by real estate, um, th- there's a good chance they might want to work with you as opposed to just leaving their money kind of sitting in their in their savings account. Yeah, that's a really good point, Tony. And that's also one way to educate someone on um, why they would want to be a private lender too is give them that reasoning, that advantage that this is an, actually an opportunity for them. Um, to not lose their money to inflation. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit too, Ash, about like how to find these private money lenders? Because I know when when I first started, that was always like the like where are all these people at? <laughs> you know, like where where are all these private money lenders at? And I the the first thing that I'll say is that when when I first got started investing, I I definitely had a uh, a limiting mindset around money. And I, I, I had the scarcity mindset, I guess is a better phrase around money, where I, I thought that there just wasn't a lot of money around to, to kind of be shared in that way. But as I've matured as a real estate investor, I, I've, I've come to realize that the opposite is true is that there's an abundance of capital everywhere. And it's on you as the investor to put yourself in situations where you're meeting people who might have that capital. And some of the best ways that, that I found to meet people uh, going to your local meetups, hosting your own meetup, I think is one of the best things to do. We, we've seen a, a lot of benefits in our business and, and and students in my coaching program that have their own meetups that are finding private money lenders. So like hosting your own meetup, I think is one of the best things you can do, even if you don't have any kind of following whatsoever, just posting on the bigger pockets uh, forums and, and posting on meetup.com and Eventbrite and all these other places. But going to local meetups or hosting your own is a great way to do it. Um, going to local conferences, You'll notice it as you start to attend uh, a lot of the the bigger conferences that you see the same people at a lot of these 
uh, at a lot of these events. So as you start to kind of make your rounds from one event to the next, you start to build relationships with the folks because you're, you're kind of seeing them over and over again. And if, if at these events, you're introducing yourself as, Hey, my name's Tony and, uh, I help people get double digit returns backed by real estate. That's a great way to kind of start building a name for yourself in terms of, uh, finding private money lenders. So, uh, going to, to meetups, hosting local meetups, going to conferences, um, networking online, I think is a really great benefit as well. So we've got the bigger pockets forums, we've got the, the bigger pockets, Facebook groups, and you'll see in, in the forums for all of our rookies that are listening, that if you go through, you'll see some folks whose names pop up over and over and over again in the forums. And they're doing that obviously because they want to help and they want to, they want to give value to other people, but they're also doing that because they're building a name for themselves in that platform. Um, uh, like I remember, uh, it was, uh, I think Ben Labovich was his name and, um, Ben's like a big time syndicator. And before I even kind of knew who he was, I just always saw him posting on the forums in bigger pockets. And I was like, man, this guy is just like the nicest guy ever. Just like always giving his time, uh, to people in the, in the forums. But, um, you know, on the back end of that, he was able to introduce a lot of people to a syndication business. And, and that's how he finds, I'm, I'm sure I would think, uh, quite a few people to, to invest in his business. So, um, rookies for all of you that are listening, there, there are so many ways to start building a name for yourself and building relationships with potential private money lenders. You you just have to take the action and, and put yourself out there. I think the last thing I would add to that that ties in is proof of concept. So having experience and showing, you know, that you've had a couple successful deals and one way to do that is to share online. And, you know, somebody looks at you you post that you're successful. Oh, you have a lot of followers. You have these nice before and after pictures. You have a picture of a check. You must be successful. So, uh, one thing that, um, you know, that's not the way that someone should decide to lend their money to you is based on your social media presence. But that does really help gain some traction for you is if you are sharing what you're doing and you're open about it on social media or in the bigger pockets forums. Uh, in the forums, there's also the, the deal diaries where you can go through and kind of answer some questions on a deal you just did and kind of share it almost as a case study. I just want to share two other resources, Ashley, for uh, for our rookies. So first, Bigger Pockets has a book by Matt Faircloth, uh, Raising Private Capital. Definitely go check out, uh, you know, wherever you want to consume your books and, and pick up a copy of that. And then uh, one of my one of my good friends in real estate investing, her name is Amy Majuri. So if you look her up on Instagram, it's Amy A M Y Majuri. M-A-H-J-O-O-R-Y. So that's M-A-H-J-O-O-R-Y. And uh, Amy runs a company called Raising Private Capital. And she does just a phenomenal job of specifically teaching real estate investors how to raise private capital. So if you go through her Instagram, she's got so many little golden nuggets on uh, techniques that she's used to raise private capital in her business. And then Amy was also on a, a few episodes of the Real Estate Podcast last year. So if you guys just look up Amy Majuri Bigger Pockets, I'm sure you'll find all her episodes as well. But she is a wealth of knowledge. Um, and I really highly encourage you guys to go, go check her out as well. Okay. Let's go on to our next question from Dimitri. When trying to figure out rehab costs for off-market deals, is it customary to have multiple contractors come through while you are still new and trying to pick someone to work with? I would imagine that for an off-market property, the seller might not appreciate that. Maybe I'm thinking about it the wrong way, but how do you figure out the rehab cost 
when making offers and you are new and don't have a feel for what it could cost. Number one question a rookie could have. Um, And I think a really great one that could be addressed over and over again. And there's multiple ways to kind of approach this. The first thing in here is how to educate yourself so that you do have that feel for what a rehab would cost. Uh, Also, how to handle and manage contractors when, you know, you don't even own the property, but you're asking them to come and do walkthroughs. Then kind of the third thing is how will the seller react having all of these contractors uh, come through? So maybe let's start with the first thing on just educating yourself on rehab and construction costs and also just the process of it. And one of the things you can do is uh, at the Bigger Pockets bookstore, you can look at Jay Scott's book called Estimating Rehab Cost. And right here, it's going to give you almost every line item that you could have for a scope of work. This book is not going to tell you, okay, you can get flooring installed for $3.50 per square foot because as this varies from market to market as to what the actual cost is, also as to the quality of the contractor, the the cost will differ too. So um, you're not going to find the cost in these in this book, but you're at least going to know what you should be getting estimates on. So that is one great way to get started. Then to actually find the cost of material and labor for material, you're going to go on Lowe's, Home Depot, or wherever your hardware store is, and you are going to look up every item that you would need. And if you don't know those items, okay, you look at the pictures of the bathroom you see the bathroom needs to be remodeled and you want to put in a tile floor. You are going to YouTube or Google, what do I need to tile a floor? What materials? You're going to take those materials and pull them up from Lowe's or Home Depot. Even if it is not the exact toilet, the exact grout, it's still going to give you an idea of what your material cost would be. You're going to build that out. And then for the labor costs, that's where you're going in and getting estimates. So start making phone calls and finding out if contractors have a set price per square foot or, you know, how much does it cost to have a toilet installed? Uh, How much does it cost to, um, you know, what's your price per square foot for painting, Um, considering there's no cathedral ceilings or anything like that? What is your cost um, for laying flooring? What is your cost for cabinet install? Things like that. And just try to get as rough of an estimate as you can over the phone for what these things are going to cost you. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. 
Download the Redfin app to get started today. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch stage to the first order stage to the did we just sell out the whole store stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. We know and you all know why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor for six months of Rent Ready for only $1. Um, the next thing, if you are going to be doing walkthroughs through the property is having the, the contractor come through is you can offer to pay them. If you feel like you are going to be wasting their time, you can offer to pay them. And if you get an estimate, ask for as, as detailed as possible. And one thing I learned from a contractor's wife, actually, she was in one of the, the real estate rookie boot camps, And she said, my husband will just give you a, an, a, an estimate. That's just one price. He's not going to break down line, line items because he is so busy and he has so much work already that it's not worth the time for him to go through line by line. So what she recommended people do is if they want a detailed estimate, they actually build out that scope of work themselves and then give it to the contractor and say, fill this in for me. Um, so building that scope of work and just like practicing, practicing that having, you know, if you have a friends or family that are contractors or have experience with rehab, have them go through that scope of work. If you just Google scope of work, you can get a ton of templates and a ton of ideas. The way I build out a scope of work is I go room by room. So I look at one room at a time. Okay. The living room, what needs to be done here? Are we painting the walls? Are we doing new drywall? Do we need new windows? Are we putting down new flooring? Do we need new trim? What are they, are there heating? What's the heating source in that room? Do we need to do anything with that? The light fixture. And I take it one room at a time. And for me, that's an easier pill to swallow than to be like, okay, 
where is all the flooring we need in the house? So you can do it either way that works for you. For my brain, I need to go room by room when doing that scope of work. Yeah, so much good information there, Ashley. And, and I agree with you. Like when we're putting our scopes of work together also, like my brain just like comprehends better going room by room. Yeah. Um, even though it might be easier on like the execution side to go like trade by trade, because then you can say, hey, all the electrical, here's this, you know, but anyway, you got to do what's easier for you. I think for the mechanics, that's a good one. Just like general mechanics, that's good to do by item, but like breaking it down room by room for all the finishes, I think is a lot easier. Yeah. We also have episode 165. We had James Dannard. He's actually 165 and 166. I think it was back to back episodes uh, where James talked about how he he gave like a, a master class on a lot of things related to uh, uh, flipping homes and rehabbing. But he also talked about estimating rehab costs. So episode 165, if you guys are interested there. Um, and I, I just want to talk about because part of Dimitri's question here was, um, how did he say it? Uh, I would imagine that for an off market property, the seller might not appreciate having multiple contracts contractors come through. Um, first thing I would say, Dimitri, is don't, don't assume that. Uh, if you're buying this directly from the seller, then just let the seller know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a few contractors come through. Um, the purpose of this is, to, is for me to really make sure I understand the, the condition of your home. And so I can give you the, you know, the, the most fair offer possible, right? Like you want to structure um, uh, maybe these contractor visits in, in, in a way that also benefits them. We bought a property off market um Gosh, I guess like two years ago now. And uh, initially, the seller was giving us a really hard time of of uh, kind of having our. We, we I think we had two contractors go through that property, um, and we had like a septic inspection. There was a few people that had to go through the property, and, and he was giving us a hard time initially. But when we phrase it as like, "Hey, this is what we need to do to be able to close on this property and, and pay you out," they immediately kind of changed their tune. So I think if you can structure it or, or phrase these contractor visits in a way that helps the seller understand that it's beneficial for them as well. You, you, you're able to get a little bit more buy-in that way. But yeah, I think everything else you said, Ashley, is, is spot on. I, don't, I probably don't have much to add to that. Yeah. I would say that in my experience, it's actually been easier to get contractors through an off-market property than it has been in MLS property and on-market property as to you know, you're contacting through agents. Usually you have a middleman and trying to get back into the property. And I especially in how competitive the market has been. Like it, we've had spots of cooling off, but I still have seen that, you know, if you're putting in offers, you're still having to be competitive. And part of that offer is, is maybe, you know, you're doing your inspection, but then after that, like you're under, under contract, they don't care. Like they don't want you back in the property and it, until you close on it. Um, and I think for off market, it's a little more flexible because you're talking directly to the seller. There's not any middleman and you're able to kind of negotiate and you can even put that into your contract too. So when you're making your offer, put in your offer, you know, that you are able to bring contractors through. So even if you, you know, you're doing an inspection, you're not doing inspection, even after that due diligence is done, like, so say, you know, you need the the new HVAC system replaced and that's part of the deal and you're getting it at a certain price because of that. You could still work into your contract saying that, you know, you will have access to the property two more times before closing to bring contractors through. So this could just be, so you're bringing the contractor through, they're getting their estimate, but then they're also scheduling you for around the time you're closing too. 
um, so that you're able to look at all your bids. Maybe you have three contractors walk through that day. You get to look through all your bids. You get to select one, and then you have them lined up ready to go um, right when you close on the property. Ashley, that's a that's a great point about like including those things into your contract. I, I feel like a lot of rookies don't, um, I, I guess, understand how much flexibility or like leeway or, or freedom creativity you have in, in your contracts. So like, like I said, that first off-market deal that we did, we had a hard time kind of convincing the seller to give us access to the property. So on our second uh, uh, direct-to-seller deal that we did, we actually put in the contract with that seller that we were able to put our own lockbox on the property. That way we didn't have to ask the seller like, hey, can we get in? Can we do this? Like we literally bought our own lockbox, got the keys from the seller, put it on the property, and then that allowed our team to go in and out as needed. So yeah, you can put whatever makes sense for you and what you can get the seller to agree to in your in your purchase agreement. Okay, our next question is from Daniel. Hello, my first post over here. So this question must come from Facebook. If you guys have a question for us, you can leave it on the Real Estate Rookie Facebook page. You can send a DM to Tony or I on Instagram, or you can also go to biggerpockets.com slash reply. So Daniel's question is, does the property manager normally share copy of lease agreements? I'm moving for work and I plan to rent my house. I want to hire a property manager and this guy came to my property and he asked how much I pay for a mortgage and I told him. After that, I've been thinking, why would he care how much I pay? Then I asked him to send me a copy of the lease agreement he made with tenants to verify monthly rent and security deposit and he refused. Does this sound like a red to me, yes, this is confusing almost <laughs> to me. Yeah, this 100% sounds like a red flag to me, right? Like if if you're if you're looking for a property manager, uh, one of the things that they should very happily and readily have available for you to view as a prospective client is a copy of what their typical lease agreement looks like. That way you can kind of look through it. You can see what's in there. Like they they shouldn't be, I think, withholding that information. So if they're Daniel, not willing to give that to you, I would really, really question why. Yeah, I I agree. Um, One thing you could also ask for is the management agreement. So when you are hiring a property manager, they should supply you with almost an operating agreement as your property manager. So a management agreement, it's called. And this would state the terms of the arrangement of them overseeing and managing your property. So if you want to ask this property manager for a copy of that too and see what their response is there because that they definitely have to give you. So the the only thing I can think of to kind of um, go on the other side of things is that maybe because you haven't hired them yet, it doesn't appear that he doesn't want to give out the lease agreement that he or his company uses. Um because he doesn't want somebody to copy it or something like that. But um, if you did hire him and uh, he did write up a lease agreement for your tenants, yes, you 100% should have access to that. And um, where's the the money going to? You want to make sure you know where um, the security deposit is held. Check your state um, and local laws too, because on some uh, states for the security deposit, you have to keep it in an escrow account that is interest bearing and your tenants are incurring interest on it. And you should too, as the the owner of the property to cover admin costs as what they call it in New York state here. But um, yeah, I would say yes 
this is a red flag unless it is just the property manager, you know, not wanting to send you a copy of their lease, thinking that maybe you are just going to take that lease and use it yourself and not hire them. And then as far as asking how much you pay for mortgage, that could just be out of curiosity as to like, well, you know, you know, maybe you should be charging a thousand dollars for rent instead of the nine hundred you want, or or something like that. So there could be some reasoning as to why they're saying that, so they can best advise you as to how much rent to charge. Yeah, but you would hope that if the if the property manager did refuse to supply the lease agreement, that they would at least have a legitimate reason as to why they wouldn't want to. So they just said no. And and like with no explanation, Daniel, yeah, I, I feel like it, it, it'd give me a little pause about moving forward with that person. We got time for one more question. So this one is from Jada Lee. What is the smallest thing you should be fixing for your tenants? We are currently renting our home by the room while we occupy a small apartment separated from the property. One of our tenants texted us about her closet door being off the tracks. My husband and I are in disagreement about whether we should fix it ourselves and and creating a precedent where the tenants are going to come for us for the most insequential thing. FYI, we are currently out of state for a few days, so it would take time for us to come back and do it for her. Or if we should just tell her it's her responsibility since it was working properly when she started her lease. So we are here asking you guys with a little more experience. So the question is, what is the basic rule? What's the smallest thing you should fix? What are your reasons for this rule? What are the pros and cons? By the way, this is our first property. Well, Jada, first of all, congratulations on your first property. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And to close on Christmas Eve, that, that's amazing. Um, Ash, look, you're you're the expert when it comes to long term rental property management. So I'm going to say my little piece, and I'm and then I'm going to shut up and, and let you take the reins here. I, I think my my advice to Jada would be whenever you're entering into a uh, any kind of agreement, really, but whenever you're entering into to an agreement, I I don't think it's as as important to say like, hey, what should I do or, or what shouldn't I do? What's more important is that there's clarity at the onset about where those responsibilities fall. Whatever level of involvement you're comfortable with is where you should draw that line. And if you personally feel that fixing closet doors to fall off the track is not what you want to do with your time, that's totally fine as long as you set that expectation clearly upfront with your tenants. So I would, you know, as as we eventually venture back into the long-term rental space, you know, the way that I would approach that is saying, here's everything that I'm comfortable doing as the landlord. And maybe that's like a, a dollar value. Maybe it's like a, a time effort value, like whatever it is, but here's everything I'm willing to do. And then when my tenants sign that lease, they will have clarity on if a light bulb goes out, they need to fix the light bulb. If uh, the closet doors come off the track, they need to fix the closet doors. Everything outside of my list is what you need to handle. So just my two cents, Ashley, now I'll let you, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. The, the hard part about that is you can never know exactly everything that's going to happen or go wrong to kind of itemize that. So what we currently do is we will fix it the first time for you. We will fix it once and we will let you know that, you know, we've fixed it. It is in working order. We have a copy of the work order. We state in the notes of the work order that 
you know, this repair has been made. We've let the resident know that if it does happen again, that is their responsibility to repair it. So in this one apartment complex years ago, this was a very common thing that happened where the tracks coming off the closet doors. And it was because there was no, at a, a tr- almost like a track at the bottom, just a little metal clasp almost to keep the bottom of the door. So the doors were kind of just hanging there from the top. And so what we did do when they would fall off the tracks, we would install these clips that, you know, help to prevent them from falling off. So the first thing I would say is assess the situation as to if there is something that can be done to prevent this from happening again, as to, you know, maybe that's something you missed when you purchased the property and something that really isn't a huge deal, but you could install this $5 clip, you know, take 20 minutes to screw it into the floor um, to prevent the, the door from falling off again. Or you, you know, it is your right to say that, you know, it's the tenant's responsibility. But the problem that happens right there is now you're, you're kind of creating this animosity against each other as to like the tenant's going to be like, well, I pay rent, blah, blah, blah. And now you're off on a bad track, a bad, you know, track together. So what we do is we do in good faith is we will fix it once. If it is something like that, where it borders the line of, is this the tenant's responsibility or is this landlord's responsibility? So we will come in and take care of it. Um, we do have certain things that are in our lease agreement, like, um, you know, clogs. If, you know, I think it's after, I can't remember if it's 30 or 60 days, it might even be 45 days in the lease agreements. If you, if you have a clog in your drain between the time you move in and that 45 days, we will take care of it. After that amount of time, if there is a clog that happens, that is most likely from whatever you're putting down the drain, your hair or whatever that may be. And that is your responsibility to take care of. Um, another thing is, um, you know, pest control. So the same thing within so many days, we just had an instance where someone had ants. Um, so we had an exterminator come, took care of it and let them know, like, you know, per the lease agreement, if this happens again or, you know, the ants come back, it is, you know, per the lease agreement is your responsibility to take care of because we had the situation taken care of. And a lot of time pests are coming because of something, something the inside the house. <laughs> yeah. right. So, um, that's kind of the, the way we handle it. And because there is no way to be able to, you can think of so many things and put that into your lease agreement, even just as an addendum, like, you know, writing out, like Tony said, resident in charge of replacing light bulbs, resident in charge of smoke detector batteries, uh, resident in charge of, you know, whatever, you know, you're, toilet paper holder, you know, things like that. Like if your toilet paper holder falls off, it's probably because you ripped it off or, you know, pulled it off or something. Um, so I, I making a list of those things is a great idea. And then just continuously updating it as these little things happen, like, Oh, the closet door fell off the track. Okay. You know, what? let's start adding this to our list that we send out with the lease agreement at each renewal. That is the tenant's responsibility to fix that. But I think little things like that, that you can, you know, you can be a good landlord and take care of those little things. And as far as, you know, 
kind of setting the precedent that you'll always run and take care of little things. There's definitely that fine line that you have to walk on. And that's where I think it's important to say, you know, we'll take care of it this one time, but going forward, just, you know, it'll be your responsibility to take care of it. And if you're out of state it, for a couple of days and you're coming back, I would, you know, try and hire somebody off, um, you know, what are those little, those handyman services? I tried to look at one the other day, but they don't, they don't serve us Buffalo at all. Is it <laughs> yeah. Thumbtack or? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of one? them. Yeah. Task Rabbit. It's like another one where you can hire people for like r- random little things. Yeah. And we are out of time today for our rookie replies. Thank you guys so much for submitting them. As a reminder, you can go to biggerpockets.com slash reply and submit your question for us. Uh, Tony, do you want to refresh our social media shout out today? Um, we did a little one for Amy earlier, so I think we should use her today. Yeah, absolutely. Like we said, one of our earlier questions was about raising private capital and Amy Majuri is all about teaching people how to do that. So she's got a lot of wonderful information on her Instagram. So if you head over to at Amy Majuri, the last name is M-A-H-J-O-O-R-Y. Like I said, you guys will learn tons and tons from Amy on raising private capital for your deals. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you get your tickets to BPCon in October 2023. So we can see you there. Go to biggerpockets.com and you'll be able to get a ticket and we will see you there. I'm Ashley at Wealth from Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we will be back on Wednesday with a guest. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.